Hello, and welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. This is a place where I talk about biohacking and women's health and, I don't even know, wellness, all things like that, and has really grown over the years since I first started this show. I typically share a lot about my own health journey on here, maybe even more than I do on social. It's easier when (laughs) it's long form and it's just a, you know, it's a smaller space than my, my social presence right now. So it's kind of, it's just a bit more intimate, which is really nice. So speaking of, before we dive into this episode this week, I want to give a health update. Yeah. So I don't even know where to start. I have multiple episodes about my health journey and specifically in relation to hormones, female health, preconception, fertility, PCOS, everything along those lines. And the more I talk about it, the more I talk about it, the more people reach out with questions and the more support I get, to be honest. So I'm it's interesting because I'm I think I'm really finding my audience and kind of where I fit in the wellness world, which is nice. But that's not to say it doesn't come with its challenges. And right now I am, yeah, just dealing with some health issues. So I think I mentioned this last week. I've had ovarian pain since I've been back from Costa Rica in my right ovary. And this has happened before. It happened in October, which really, really made me look at my health more seriously than I already was, which says something. And really, really made me dial in on everything, hormones and everything preconception health. And so basically that pain went away. My cycles got regular. I did all these great things and it was going really well. And that was October and now it's April. And this is the first time I've had this pain back since then. And honestly, it's kind of surprising. So I was in Costa Rica for over three weeks and I I really did think that spending so much time offline and off work would be really good for me. And, and I think it was, I think it was good for my mental health and my emotional health, but to come back and have my ovary start to hurt within a week, let's say, was very surprising. And so when the pain lasts long, like a long time, as in 10 days, 12 days, that type of thing, that's when I get concerned. And it's not like the pain is a 10 out of 10. It is more of a dull ache. So, you know, like a four, maybe a five type of thing. And so on the weekend, I decided that I was going to go get an ultrasound done. Mostly because I've had cysts before and I knew that there was a probability that I had cysts again. And I'm okay with that at this point. I understand that that's something that I will always kind of be working with. And I like do my best to kind of keep at bay. However, I was concerned that it was something more than that. So I was concerned that it could be something wrong with my uterus or just different. There's so many different things that can cause pain down there. A tumor, a growth, cancerous 
you know, that type of thing. So anyway, so I went to the the ER on Saturday, which I don't want to say it was a waste of time, but it was a long process to get results, let me tell you. And I don't want to get into the weeds of that in the process here in Canada and how it all works. It's just not even worth getting into. But essentially, I had to, I finally got my ultrasound done yesterday because I had to book an appointment for it. And then I spoke to the doctor after who really didn't know much at all. And essentially, I have a, what is it called? Hemorrhagic, hemorrhagic, hemorrhagic cyst, which basically means that there's a cyst that's bleeding on my right ovary. And that is why there's pain is because the cyst is like broken or burst and it's slowly like disintegrating and bleeding out and going and slowly like kind of going away. And that's why it's like a dull achy pain is because there's like, there's actually like blood in my uterus. Like there's like blood in yeah, I guess the uterus slash ovaries, you know, like I could see it when they were showing me on the ultrasound. But the thing is, like, it's not like your period. It's not like blood comes out and you deal with it like that. It goes away. The body kind of absorbs it. It's not a lot, but it's there. And so it's, it causes pain. It causes discomfort. It causes you to feel really like heavy in, down there for you to feel bloated, that type of thing. So yeah, this obviously makes a lot of sense and there's nothing I can do about it. (laughs) Apparently, the doctors told me to take Advil and that is not helpful. And there apparently is an unknown cause, which is also not helpful. And yeah, so I'm kind of left at this point right now where, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to understand it. And yeah, so I... Yeah, I'm still processing all of it. And this is probably what happened in October because the pain is very similar, but it kind of went away faster. So that could mean that, you know, it was smaller, there was less tissue, less blood, who knows. So I'm processing it. And to be honest, like, just to be really honest, I, out of everything that it could be, this is, probably one of the better things that it could be. Because when you have issues with your uterus and the shape of your uterus and how it's tilted and the size and that type of thing, that can have serious, serious impacts on things like your fertility and things like that. And so that was my biggest concern yesterday when I was waiting at the ER and waiting to do this ultrasound was like, what is going on? And is this going to affect me having kids. And if you've been listening for a long time, you know that I'm very much in my preconception health stage right now. I have been since last fall. And it's very, very important to me to live as healthy as I can right now. So that's why it's also alarming when this happens, like when you take such drastic measures and so much commitment to be so healthy it's like surprising that this would happen. But then I wonder if like three weeks in Costa Rica, like drinking alcohol, having like, you know, gluten and more processed food and being exposed to EMF from flying and all these different things. Like I wonder if like that whole environmental shift just was a little too much on my body and like caused this to happen. Because typically when there's cysts, they're caused when I'm like, you're trying to ovulate. So there's something that goes awry when 
the body releases the follicle, which then releases the egg. And that whole process doesn't go correctly. And then it turns into a cyst instead. So yeah, it, the question is like, why? How does that happen? And I don't know. Anyway, so that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm thankful that it's nothing worse. I am going to do a cervical cancer screening. I've decided I actually got sent something in the mail that was like, you should get tested. I think they send it to you every three years if you're like a female in Canada. So I'm going to do this test. You might, I might as well. And that's how I am proceeding. I am proceeding with my preconception health program that I've outlined for myself with specific things that I do every single day, specific supplements, specific foods, and avoiding a lot of different things. And I'm back in the full swing of that program now. So I kind of went through it in the fall. I took a break over the holidays. I went through it before Costa Rica. It obviously took a break basically for the month of March. And now I'm back in it again. And I'll probably stay in it as much as possible until, I don't even know, until we start trying maybe, I guess. So yeah, it's been a quite emotional 24 hours. I am just trying to keep my thoughts together and head above water. Thankfully, cysts don't impact your fertility, even if they are the ones that bleed. And it doesn't necessarily impact, you know, much, I guess. The only thing is, is that it can take up to two menstrual cycles for the pain and discomfort and the cyst that's broken to fully dissipate. And when you have irregular cycles like me, like that doesn't necessarily mean eight weeks. That could be, you know, 11 weeks for me. So I'm right now, like I'm sitting here and I can feel it and I have the pain and I'm wondering, I'm like, okay, how long am I going to be dealing with this? Like, it would be so nice if it would just go away. So we'll see. I'll obviously keep you updated. And yeah, I mean, the good thing is, like I said, like it's nothing worse. And I also have my left ovary, which I've had no issues with whatsoever. So when it comes time to try and conceive and things like that, I feel good and confident because, you know, at least I have one ovary that is like no cysts. There's never been cysts. There's never been pain. There's never been anything on my left ever. And I remember having a cyst in high school, like when I was a teenager for the first time and it was on my right side. So it's always, always been the right side. And it's actually interesting. I want to do some research on this. And if anybody listening is like, yeah, I have some information for you. I am so curious what the right ovary means in like Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, anything like that, because there's different or like different organs can correlate with different emotions and different times in our lives. And there's all of this like, you know, correlations, I guess, that people and different bodies of medicine and systems have created. And so I'm really curious what the right ovary symbolizes from various perspectives, because I wonder if I can learn about that and like bring light to that in my life, then it is something that I can work through. And if you're hearing this and you're thinking, that is so woo-woo and stupid, <laughs> let me tell you that when you have had cysts on your ovaries, for example, and you do everything right, and you are one of like the healthiest like people that you know, 
you get to a point where you are open to anything and everything because why not? If I read something that says, hey, the, that ovary is associated with these feelings and this trauma and this time in your childhood, maybe you should take a look at that. What There's no harm in me spending a few weeks thinking about that, visualizing, journaling, and like putting thought towards that in order to see if that's something that I need to heal through. Like there's no harm in any of that. So I'm very, very open to different things like that though. Like I'm very open to different ways of healing. Obviously as a biohacker, <laughs> I, yeah, I have no judgment. And if it works, it works, you know? So that's where I'm at right now. I did ovulate on the weekend. I ovulated on Sunday. I checked my temperature through my app and through the thermometer in the morning. And I've talked about this a lot. This is also all in the new guide that I created. It's called Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide. It just came out last week. Definitely, definitely check that out. If you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I want to get my hormones in check. I want to balance my hormones. I want to regulate my menstrual cycle. I want to increase my fertility or increase my reproductive health or preconception health, you know? That is a fantastic place to start. It's all about living in the different phases of your cycle and really thriving in them. So like what you should eat during every phase, the supplement you should supplements you should take, exercise, biohacks, lifestyle practices, herbs and botanicals. And then there's like, I think 32 different recipes and like the guide itself is 59 pages, okay? So it's very comprehensive and I really suggest starting there. Starting there, learn about your menstrual cycle. Before you go into fertility and preconception health, you have to start with the fundamentals and that is your cycle. When do you ovulate? Like, what does that even mean? What are the different phases? You know, like how does your body feel? It's really important to understand that. So that is why I started with that. I had so many people be like, put out a preconception health program, especially right now with my socials. But listen, I am and I will work on it and working on it. But I think we have to start with the basics. And so not that this guide is even basic in any way possible because it took so much time and research to put together. So check it out. It's on my website. It's live everywhere right now. And you, yeah, I think you'll benefit a ton from it. The other thing I do want to mention quickly, just while I'm giving you a health update, because like, I guess I'm just going to share everything as I go through this. I mean, anyway, so I had a bit of a, don't want to say a panic attack, but I was quite upset last night when I was waiting in the ER, waiting for my ultrasound results, because I just, I don't know, I figured that something could be worse than it was, like I previously said. And I have recently reached out to the company that I want for my prenatal stack. And this company is called Needed. The This company, and this is like not sponsored. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. This company is like the best on the market. They are from the States. And it's not cheap. Like, don't even think for a second that these are cheap supplements. They are not. Uh, but they are phenomenal. And last night when I was going through this, I 
was like, okay, it's time for me to really be taking these types of supplements in my life because my husband and I, we want to start trying sometime this year. And I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know if that will be June or October. I don't know. There's a few things that we're trying to figure out that's outside of our health right now before we kind of make that decision. So regardless, I was like, it's time to get on these. So I ordered a ton today and I was talking to their team. They actually did give me a discount code for everybody. It's 20% off. You can use it. It's biohacking Brittany in capitals. This is so new. Like I don't even have them linked on my website yet, but you can just go to needed. I think it's, I think their website, see what I mean? I don't even know it. Yeah. This is needed.com. And my discount code is biohacking Brittany in all capitals and gets you 20% off everything. And let me tell you, when you are buying such expensive supplements and such high quality, you want that 20%. You, yeah, let me tell you. I might do a full episode on the products I bought after I try them out. So I'm probably not going to go into that now because I got quite a lot. But they also have products for men. I got all the men's ones as well because I think sperm quality and motility, mobility, and count is very, very important. And so that's where I'm at. I also am talking to a doctor right now. She is sending me her preconception cleanse book. So I'm going to be diving into that and we'll let you know as well. So lots of good stuff to come. This again, like I said, the prelude to this is like, this is where I openly share my journey and likely will just continue to share my journey as like my cycle changes and you know, I try these different things. So stay tuned for that. And a, a quick shout out to the sponsors of this week. First and foremost, we have AG1. I love AG1. I actually took their packets, like individual serving packets with me to Costa Rica when I was traveling. And it was a fantastic way to get in my greens, get in my vitamins, minerals, everything like that. And I felt very secure knowing that I was getting in everything I needed, um, especially when I was traveling as well, because like, as most people know, on the airplanes, in the airports, there's not a lot of healthy options. So I loved it. And I love, love recommending it to people. I actually love the taste. I find it's very, very fresh. It's very, almost like addictive in an interesting way. And I like that it's not super, super sugary and sweet like some of the other powders that that are similar that I've tasted. So it's an all-in-one. I love it and recommend it to everybody who is looking for something like that. You can look at my uh, show notes, website everywhere, and the link will be there. And my discount code is BiohackingBrittany in all capitals. And a shout out to Inside Tracker. I can't wait to get tested. Um, it's been a while since I've been tested with Inside Tracker. They're the best. Honestly, they come to your house. They test 43 different biomarkers. You don't have to do anything. They take your blood and then they send you the results. So they look at like vitamin D. They look at your hormones, which we're talking about a lot today. And they look at everything. And so it's really, really nice to have this and actually have like real data on how you're doing. You don't have to go to a clinic. You don't have to go through your doctor. You don't have to wait in a hospital like I did. You can just get tested from home and the results are sent directly to you. So that's in, Inside Tracker. 
I get tested every four months because I think it's very, very useful, especially during this time of my life. And I think it's a good idea for you to get tested as well, especially if you're dealing with any type of hormonal imbalance or if you're in the preconception health stage, fantastic idea to know your levels. That is linked in my show notes, discount code biohackingbrittany, go for it. And also send me a DM if you have any questions or you want to know more about it. I am happy to chat and yeah. And this episode is cool. We talk about perimenopause, which I haven't talked about a lot before. We talk about women sustaining healthy habits and metabolic health. And it was great. It was, it was awesome. I actually learned a lot and I found it very, very helpful. And I think you will find it very helpful as well. So enjoy the show and I will catch you next Tuesday for another personal episode, a solo show, a question and answer. We'll see. Okay, welcome to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. I am excited to be back. I think this might be one of the first interviews I'm doing post Costa Rica. And so I, it's honestly kind of nice because I feel like I'm refreshed and ready to dive into all things health and wellness and biohacking again. And today we are doing exactly that. I have Ellie Kempton on the show with me. She is a integrative and functional dietitian, and she specializes in metabolic health and perimenopause, two areas that I really don't know that much about and really are not my areas of expertise. So Ellie, welcome to the show. Thank you and welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. So my favorite question, I guess, to start off with is, how did you get to where you are right now? Was it through your own personal health struggles? Absolutely. And I'm confident that's a theme for many of your guests. I actually found what I do now at the bottom of the pool. I've been a swimmer or was, I guess you could call me a swimmer now, but I was a swimmer since I was a little girl and really high performance athlete. If I could compete in anything, I would make anything and everything out of a game. I'd make a game out of it, make it a competition. And that was the catalyst to me becoming a high performance swimmer. And I was swimming in college. And I just started to not feel right. My joints started to ache. I started to really just struggle with recovery. And for years, I mean, even since I was a little girl, I had had belly issues. In fact, my nickname growing up was Ellie Belly, which was adorable at the time. But then in college, Ellie Belly didn't become, it wasn't quite as cute when my gut really hurt. And so I was, it was my second year in school swimming full-time for University of Virginia on a full-ride scholarship, just really what should have been the peak of my career. And it was two weeks before I was going to swim at Olympic trials, and I was diagnosed with Crohn's. And that was that moment where I had to do something different because the blinking lights on my dashboard were very obvious. It was almost as though I couldn't put any more duct tape over them. And so really started to look for answers. And at the time I was studying biochemistry, that was my major in school. And so I knew enough to be dangerous and I knew enough to ask all the questions. I'm sure I was, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a challenge for my practitioners. But what I came to find was that I didn't love the traditional approach to Crohn's. I didn't love the idea of being put on immunosuppressants for life. And I just didn't love the idea that there was nothing else I could do about it, right? So 
I started to look for just more answers. I was, you know, of course, the questioner in me just sought out more care, more help. And I found a doctor trained in functional medicine, which is what I now practice. And this doctor sat me down and asked me really strange questions like, what do you eat? And how do you sleep? And what are your stress levels? And questions that like no one had ever asked me, which was such a both refreshing idea. It was a new a new adventure to go on, but also I was so intrigued by the idea that the food I could eat would be part of my medicinal care plan. Like that was amazing. So it was not overnight, as you know, and as every functional medicine practitioner knows, it takes time to unravel some of the patterns and really see healing. But I really fell in love with the approach and I started to experience firsthand the role that food could play to really nourish and heal the body and and speak the language of the body. So the little biochemist in me was just thrilled by the fact that how the food I was starting to now eat that was real instead of the power bars and Gatorade and goldfish that I was previously eating, the real food was speaking the biochemistry of my body. So fast forward, I went out to Seattle and I got my master's in functional nutrition from a beautiful school for natural medicine called Bastyr University. Loved that school. It was the perfect place for me. It spoke to my really geeky side, but it also was this lush experience. Got some time in the Pacific Northwest. And then I went through there. I applied for their dietetic internship and ended up getting in, which was such an honor because they really teed me up to approach dietetics from a more functional angle. And I love that because I love to really allow the, I love to allow for there to be a marriage between this cutting edge science, but a more traditional and functional approach. So that's now what I teach and that's what I'm deeply committed to. And I'd say I'm a little bit of a disruptor because I think the world of dietetics can be a bit reductionistic, a few more rules, a bit more sterility. And I am just all about this multifaceted approach to wellness that is based on not only personalization, but also what can someone sustain for life? So now I'm knee deep in my PhD in behavior design, understanding really the neurochemistry behind how my clients and how I can really facilitate work with every facet of wellness that can be sustained. So humbling. I feel like I used to think I knew a bit about it. And the more I learn, the more I realize, you know, the psychology of behavior change is just so, so complex, but so gratifying because I think I'm confident you can relate to the fact that it's so empowering to teach wellness, but then the sustainment of it is what I feel like can be troublesome in many cases. So I'm dedicated to that and now I have a one-on-one practice. I have a private practice in Denver, Colorado, and an online membership called The Table that's filled with women around the world. And I just, I can imagine, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I love it. Oh, I love that. And you can tell because you're so honest and passionate about it. And that really does come through. So, I mean, obviously, I think the question is on everyone's mind listening to this is like, okay, you know, maybe I start this new wellness habit. And even if we take something so simple as like drinking more water every single day, 
how do we sustain that, you know, basically for the rest of our lives? Like, how do you keep on top of it? And what have you studied or you seen in your research or even with your clients that has really worked for for them? Yeah. So I'd say the number one practice to sustaining change, and it could be wellness change, it could be any change really, is the daily reflection that allows you to identify what it was that you were able to accomplish and celebrate that while also identifying what your environmental cues were that stood in your way. And I like to call this, I teach this all the time in that it's the daily reflection of tiny triumphs. Because what we want to start doing is we want to start praising ourselves, almost like we're little puppies that we are training, to repeat behaviors that we that are aligned with who we are and what we believe in. So that's maybe even you know, another facet of it that I'm so emphatic about teaching is that we want our habits to be a reflection of who we are. And once we start to weave those into our life, so drinking water may be because you identify with someone who's active. So drinking water is a beautiful reflection of an active human being. But then every time you drink water, it sounds so silly, simple, and almost too good to be true. But every time that you take a sip of water, you need to be able to acknowledge that to tag in your brain that you were successful doing that. The more you celebrate success, the more you are apt to repeat that habit in the future. And then from there, you can scale it, but you'll start repeating the behavior out of automation and it'll take far more effort to, to continue that behavior if celebrated in the beginning. Mm, interesting. And how do you recommend people celebrate, I guess? Yeah. Well, this is where we're ne- where there's very little training early on. And this is where I feel almost like I have to remind my clients who are all adults and usually have kids that we get to be little kids again in that we the most powerful way to celebrate is to literally pause within a few minutes, ideally during the habit, to internally just recognize that you did it. Now, my favorite way to install this habit early on is to actually have a tiny triumph record. And a tiny triumph record is a place where whether it's a note on your phone or just a scratch piece of paper, but you literally just write down your deep elation, dare I say, just straight up pride that you did that habit and just seeing on paper how many times you did it is a visual representation of your traction toward automation. In an ideal world, you also have someone, so I play this role for a lot of my clients. Ideally, you have someone in your life who you can share that with, almost like gratitude. It's more powerful when shared with other people. But once you have enough time practicing that pause and that acknowledgement, you it's amazing how much you are able to sustain this without even having to think about it after a period of time of just repetitive reinforcements. It's a reward after a habit cue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've read quite a few different habit books. Like I think Atomic Habits is one of the most popular ones that people read. And Yeah, it definitely does help having these types of wins. And I also think they're just so personal to you. And yeah, like if you drink water every day for 30 days, like how you celebrate 
is going to be so different depending on what your goals are and what you what really matters to you. And so I always find it interesting when we talk about wellness habits because I am very like what's it called like cold turkey about things. So I do very well with like do this thing for the next 90 days and then afterwards you get some sort of reward whatever that might be. Whereas like some people like my husband he's very you know, he'll kind of go back and forth on things and he doesn't need to be as cold turkey about things. Do you ever like talk about that type of approach versus like sticking to something and doing it every single day versus like having more balance and maybe not doing it day in, day out? Yes. In fact, that's the other side of the coin. I'm so glad you asked because recognizing where you or instances where you aren't able to do it or maybe choose not to do it is equally as powerful because what you're doing is you're building into your awareness what the cues are and what the stumbling blocks are that prevent or facilitate the habit. And when you're aware of those, especially when you feel like you've quote unquote failed. So for you who likes to do things a bit more cold turkey, I'm the same way. I was never trained to actually use that information as or failure as information I would just criticize myself and start over, right? Just get on it and do it harder, maybe a bit more grit, maybe a bit more willpower. But what I train and teach my clients to do, which is so aligned with the deep science of behavior design, is to take the moment of moderation. And in your husband's case, this is great, to identify what about his environmental cues and what about his week or his amount of time that he has or the amount of energy he has. Taking stock of all of that information and really building more awareness, really tuning into some of those things will enable him to automate the times he does do it with more fluidity. We want you to get to the point, whether you are a cold turkey, I like to call it an abstainer or a moderator after Dr. Gretchen Rubin's work, but we want to create a situation where your habits are so set up in your environment that you almost trip over them every day. Like it's not even an act of willpower or motivation. You get to the point where you've identified all of the cues and all of the stumbling blocks and started to just make micro pivots long enough that it's almost, it sticks instead of slips because you set yourself up for that type of success and you rewarded yourself enough activating the mesolimbic dopamine pathway in your brain So you almost crave that feedback after a while. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it it makes a lot of sense, you know, how different things work for different people. Yeah, I find when I am in the process of doing some sort of habit that I'm going and I am doing it daily, like in the cold turkey process, I feel very motivated and successful and happy. And it actually just kind of radiates into all areas of my life. Whereas when I don't want to say like fall off the bandwagon, but when I'm not doing these healthy habits, I kind of almost feel like I I don't have anything really together. And that could just be like my personal thing. (laughs) But I really do find that there's something about sticking to it day in and day out that really just influences basically all areas of my life and makes me feel very like uplifted and I don't know. Does and it, empowered. Like, yes. Yeah, and empowered. There's yeah. actually a lot of research. You're touching on something huge and something that is not the topic of my personal research, but in just reading 
the research that is available, I'm so excited by it because what research is starting to illuminate is that human beings actually sustain behavior better under joy and happiness. So joy is a catalyst to sustainment, even though there's a lot of marketing campaigns that are seemingly successful in the short term saying, oh, you know, if you feel low energy or if you feel weight gain, make sure you remedy that by starting these habits. Well, that can be a motivator, but not a long-term motivator, the best-term motivator. And that's why my whole celebration in the moment of your success works so well is we continue things when we start to feel joy and happiness around the afterglow of these habits. Yeah. There's also like a sense of pride and like being proud of yourself that comes. And it it could be like any type of habit, you know, like whether it's a new workout routine is like an obvious one, but it could also be like going to bed early or something like that. And when you kind of get into the routine of it, like I just feel proud of myself and I just want to continue doing it because I'm like, wow, like look how far I've actually come. Why would I stop now type of idea? Exactly. Exactly. You're right. I think I think the physical benefits that come from a lot of these things are great and are kind of initial motivators. But for me, and I think for a lot of people, it actually is the mental and emotional side of it that keeps me going when I'm in it. Precisely. It is the sustainment piece that will allow you to continue to feel your way into the next iteration of the habit. Because one other stumbling block I wanted to mention that I think is so powerful and yet so not obvious up front is how big of a habit we like to start with. And that can be just a a sneaky stumbling block. We hear about wellness habits more than, you know, we hear about them on social media. We hear about these big wellness initiatives, I think, more than we used to from so many different mediums. And then we like to bite off more than we can chew and then get really down on ourselves that we weren't able to sustain it. But when you do the tiniest version, so I like to tell my clients, okay, if what you want to do is say a level 10, which may be drinking water five times a day, let's have a few sips once a day and let's start there. And when you start to feel the traction and the joy and the pride and the self, self-efficacy from those few sips of water once a day, that is what's going to then allow you to get up to drinking water five times a day. And I think when I hear about clients feeling critical and when I'm nurturing, especially my table membership, when it's a group of women kind of maybe grumbling about their inability to quote unquote, stay on the bandwagon, I'll just ask, well, what was the initial version of that habit that you were working on? Give me a big picture of how big of a elephant you were working on eating. Let's take, let's start with one bite at a time. Eliminate guesswork from your wellness plan with Inside Tracker. Created by experts from Harvard, MIT, Inside Tracker uses the power of your body's biomarker data to reveal what you need to live healthier longer. You will receive specific nutrition, exercise, supplement, and lifestyle recommendations, which we love, providing insight that goes well beyond what you can get from generic blood work. And since May, which is coming up, is Women's Health Month, 
Inside Tracker is unveiling an upgraded ultimate plan that includes three new hormone markers that are critical to measure during a woman's reproductive and menopausal years. I am so excited about this. I cannot wait to do this. And because it's Women's Health Month, Inside Tracker is not charging for these extra three hormone markers. So for a limited time, listeners, if you want 20% off Inside Tracker's new ultimate plan, including estradiol, progesterone, TSH blood markers, you can get that right now. And this is honestly the best time to do it if you have ever been thinking about doing Inside Tracker. With Inside Tracker, you can discover what your body needs and no longer just guess. So visit insidetracker.com slash biohackingbrittany and you will get the discount and the three extra ones for free. It's also linked on my show notes and on my website. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, I that's actually something my mom says <laughs> is, yeah, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? which is a funny, funny saying, but it's, it's very true. And I'm personally like, I refer back to that when I'm specifically going through more hardship, I guess, but it does make sense for habits and stuff like this as well in the terms of like, yeah, let's start small, but it's, it's hard with that type of thing though, because it's not as, it's almost like not as attractive or like sexy as like, oh, on Monday, I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to be a new person. And the, by the summer, I'm going to be like this, you know, compared to just being like, oh, start small and like, no, you know, have that's one not, is marketable. <laughs> not at all. Not at exactly. all. We're programmed. And I just keep going back to this in my messaging, whether it's teaching a course or working with a client one-on-one, I just go back to some of the things we believe are just because we've heard them enough times. So we believe that we will be so much happier if we just eat kale five times a day and, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, we're a different person tomorrow. That's programming. And then I'll ask them to think back for me on a time where they only did X, Y, or Z and how it worked out for them. I can't remember a time where a client came back to me after that question and came back with a successful thing that they're still doing. They'll come, they'll start off by saying, yeah, I, I joined this really intense weightlifting program, but then I just got injured or sick and I kind of never went back to it. Whereas my clients, you said, you know, I got really into weightlifting and I went to this class once a week. And then before I knew it, I wanted to go twice a week and I'm still doing it because I love that class. Those are the success stories. And I, it's our conditioning and our cultural programming that just has been repeated enough times in our head that we begin to believe it without proof. Mm, yeah. What do you find from your experience is like common or are common habits that women specifically struggle with maintaining? Oh, the very first one is self-awareness, really getting up close and personal with what they're actually feeling. So I will say this is the trailhead to time working with me is getting really curious about what their body is telling them every day. Because often we want to jump into these wellness initiatives. We want to start drinking water. We want to start exercising, eating more plants, whatever it may be that you're hoping to do. 
And yet, without being in touch with the little messages your body is trying to say for, you know, in the beginning, when I was telling my story, I used the analogy of blinking lights, but that's one of the best analogies I can give is what are your blinking lights and when do you feel them? And this comes into play so powerfully when we talk about women's wellness, because our blinking lights change as we cycle through different hormone fluctuations, different stages of life, especially when we get into perimenopause, getting really in touch with that gorgeous body of yours is probably the habit that just even daily check-ins with energy levels, sleep, gut function, skin, creativity, mood, libido. I give my clients a little daily chart to fill out and it is unbelievable what comes up when women start tracking their body and their emotions. And so self-awareness is one of the first ones. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think that is a really hard habit to maintain because it's, I don't know, I think there's just so many other things that we can be thinking about and so many other people that we can be worried about, let alone like worried about ourselves. And I could only imagine, especially for mothers, like that habit must almost be harder. Are there any other ones that come to mind when you think about that? Yes, absolutely. I would say the other thing, and just because I work predominantly with women and a lot of the women I work with are mothers, I'd say another habit that I feel like is a predominant stumbling block is the consistency of a rhythm and routine clicked in with the circadian rhythm. I'm a big advocate of just teaching the body that it's safe through through repetition. You're hearing, I probably sound like a broken record player now, but once you understand a habit that you want to weave into your life, or maybe it's something I'm teaching you to weave into your life, I love to teach it through the lens of giving your body that cue at a similar time every day. Because we are designed to live in sync with the earth and really honor the circadian rhythm of the earth. So even down to the simplest thing, which is maybe even just what time you eat, that in and of itself is something that is so powerful for everybody. But I find it to be really particularly difficult for women to click into place because of so many hats that we wear as chauffeurs and as chefs and, and you know, the multifaceted life of a mother can be, can stand in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I agree with you for that, for sure. Do you think that there are different struggles that women face in terms of sustaining habits than men? Or would you say it's kind of the same core issues when you look at it? You know, I would say that's a really good question. I'd say it's similar core core issues that stand in the way, like inconsistent schedules and and even you know our programming around only wanting to do big things to actually celebrate ourselves but what i will say is very different between men and women is that our needs through hormone fluctuations change and that makes it a slightly trickier situation cuz you need to be self-aware enough and have enough training to know how to iterate your way through a cycle or long-term, how to iterate your habits throughout, you know, pre, peri, and post-menopause. And that's its own thing because as our hormones shift and as estrogen starts to fluctuate throughout perimenopause and then really decline pretty drastically, and as 
progesterone really takes a big drop through perimenopause, we need to eat differently and we need to work out differently and we need to honor the fact that our bodies, I like to call our hormones our superpowers, but you know, our superpowers change and we need to honor that with different habits. So if, you know, going back to your last question about habits that are hard to sustain, it, more, more kind of logistically, I'd say a really big difference that I see between men and women is as women age, they need traditionally a lot more protein kind of relatively to men as we go into each phase of, of hormone changes. And that's something that just takes a little bit of coaching and a little bit of tuning in to know where your sweet spot is. And that's, it's hard. In some cases, I wish I could just give a little checklist or a little rule book, but then, oh man, I'd be working with robots and I love working with human beings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So for those women listening who are in perimenopause or about to be in that phase of their lives, in terms of the protein, how would they know if they were not getting enough protein? Oh, there are some awesome telltale signs. So the very first telltale sign that you're not getting enough protein is you crave sugar all day. You're really just looking for sugar, whether that's between meals or right after your meals. What your body is cueing you into is that your blood sugar is dysregulated. And what's neat about protein, we love it for this reason, is it's so anchoring to blood sugar. And so when your protein needs are met, you'll find this deep, grounded satiation. You'll find that meals, the, the fuel from your meals lasts you for four hours at least. You'll find your moods are more stable because the building blocks to proteins are called amino acids. And those amino acids are building blocks to our hormones and our neurochemistry. And so you'll find you just have a little bit more buffer to your reactions and your responses to life's challenges. Another, I don't see this in early perimenopause, but mid to late perimenopause, I will see a loss of muscle retention. And that could be from not eating enough. It could also be from not absorbing your protein. And that trickles down to just making sure you have enough stomach acid. But I will hear a common complaint of women who aren't getting enough protein that they're doing their strength training. They're very consistent about it. And yet they feel like no matter how hard they push or how well they feel like they're recovering, they just aren't retaining muscle. And it, it's amazing what a difference it will make. We make protein more consistent from any source, really. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I think that's such a good sign for women of any age, to be honest, about not getting enough protein. The sugar cravings is huge. I think also fat as well. Like fat really does help keep you satiated as well. But when you're craving it, when you're always thinking about your next meal while you're eating your meal right. or like 20 minutes after, like that obviously, yeah, it shows that, you know, your meal isn't balanced and that you need to be adding more fat, more protein and kind of taking a look at the macronutrients a bit better. But it's it's tough. I, I don't know. I, th I think it's tough to make sure you get enough protein in. And I don't think a lot of people actually talk about this. Like, I don't hear this out there a lot that women need more protein. It's 
it's not the narrative in common diet and nutrition circles, at least online anyway. Not at all. The only loud voice that I have heard even just recently is Dr. Stacey Sims. I love her approach. She works a lot. You know, she her PhD, I believe, is in sports um, medicine. And so my more active clients are tuning into her. And I really love that she's echoing my message of more protein. But you're right. That's not the narrative. And I think there's even fear around consuming protein as though it, it might install even negative side effects to maybe too much muscle retention, which is I, I almost laugh at that because that's never, ever been the case. It, the only complaint I get is lo- loss of muscle mass when you're not eating enough. And to your point, when you pair protein and fat, really amplifying and making those two a dynamic duo on the plate, you actually absorb your fat, your sorry, your protein even better when you're consuming fat. So if anyone's timid about it or not sure where to start, I'll actually just encourage them to find and seek out proteins that are rich in fat and start there because then they'll get the benefit that you and I know about and have experienced firsthand, which is a fat-fueled day. And some examples of those are just really good, well-raised animals. That's my favorite place if somebody does eat animal protein, but a lot of plants are woven. The the architecture of a plant-based protein has a lot of fat in it too. And that's nature telling us it's designed to be consumed together. So I'm putting on my megaphone and preach this message from the hilltops. And I'll even go as far as to say, when you're busy, when you're stressed, when you're traveling, when you're just scattered, find protein and see how you feel 20 minutes later. My next partner I want to talk about is Athletic Greens. So I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every single day. And I first gave AG1 a try when I was traveling to Costa Rica. I really wanted something to support my gut health, boost my energy, keep my immune system in check, and really just support me while I was traveling and not home. Um, I quickly fell in love with it. And now that I'm back in Canada, I still take it every single day. And I take it in the morning before I have any type of coffee Um, Typically, it's like the first thing I have in the morning and it makes me feel just fantastic. I feel like I'm starting my day off on the right foot. I feel like I'm covering all of my nutrition needs right from the get-go, which is super important and such a healthier way to start than just having coffee on an empty stomach right away. So I just, I'm just obsessed with taking it. And if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free, wow, one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So those are the same travel packs that I took when I was flying. Go to athleticgreens.com slash biohacking with Brittany. That's athleticgreens.com slash biohacking with Brittany to check it out today. It's also linked in my show notes and on my website everywhere. I love that. I love that a lot. For the woman going through perimenopause listening to this episode, what other healthy habits do you recommend that they try to sustain in order to kind of just have an easier time with, you know, the hormone fluctuations that are happening? Yes, there are some key things you can do as early, 
as your early 30s, we start to see hormone decline and hormone fluctuation as early as 35. So whether you think you're in perimenopause or not, chances are you will benefit from a few of these things. But the very first, I would say, is just to make sure that you're opening up your pathways of elimination because a lot of perimenopausal symptoms that are more negative come from recycling toxins and recycling hormones you've already used. My favorite saying from Dr. Carrie Jones is use it, then lose it. So that goes for any hormone that you've either replaced or any hormone that you've secreted. You want to see your body release it and you release your hormones through your bowels, through bowel movements, through sweat, through breathing. But I would say for any woman in perimenopause who's listening to this, anyone actually, making sure that you are seeing consistent bowel movements and if not, maybe increasing your fiber, increasing your hydration, your magnesium, so that you're eliminating metabolic waste and eliminating what your body no longer needs. Often that can be the source of a lot of negative symptoms going into perimenopause and it's almost I'd say it's one of the easier fixes of just getting out of your own way. And when you start adding some of that fiber in, especially if you are, if you tend toward constipation, what you'll start doing is nurturing your microbiome. And your microbiome, there's really a really neat thing that I light up telling my clients about when it comes to the microbiome. There is a section of the microbiome dedicated to metabolizing estrogen. It's called the estrobilum. And when you diversify your fibers and diversify your plants, you help the estrobilum do its job. And when the estrobilum is doing its job properly, you'll find you don't see as many of the dark sides of estrogen really heavily fluctuating throughout perimenopause. So when somebody comes to me and they have really severe hot flashes and night sweats and perimenopause is just really taking them down, it seems so adjacent, it feels almost not related, but I start by looking at their gut and I start looking at how can we nurture this section dedicated to helping you metabolize your estrogen so that you've got some extra hands on deck and you don't have to do this all by yourself. I love that. I think that's important. And I don't know if that's talked about enough as well. There's obvious signs that connect gut health with hormonal health, regardless of the stage that you're in. And it's it's really hard to have balanced hormones and balanced sex hormones when our gut is in dismay and we have dysbiosis or leaky gut, or maybe we're dealing with indigestion and bloating and all of these things. And there's a lot of books out there actually to talk about, you know, things really do start in the gut and take care of your gut and everything else will kind of, you know, get aligned. So I think that's important. And obviously, like I know you are into functional medicine as well, which looks at like the root cause of things, right? So instead of doing something to suppress hot flashes, it's like, no, how do we actually get to the root cause of this and really support the body from that from that aspect? Exactly. It's so gratifying when you look at, I like to even call the gut like the cauldron of wellness first and say, <laughs> yeah, that's what? great. Yeah, what's brewing in there that maybe has been brewing for a while? And I look at perimenopause as an amplifying aspect, or even I'll call it a magnifying glass to what you didn't feel in your early 20s or 30s. And when you start there, I even will go as far as to say, 
a gut panel is often a prerequisite to seeing me one-on-one because it's such a powerful illumination to what's percolating beneath the surface. Yeah, that's a great idea. So if anyone wants to to work with you or connect with you online, how can they do that? Well, I think the best way to work with me is to take a peek at my online membership, The Table. It's such a gorgeous community. The Table is my baby. It's I built it five years ago. And The Table is it's a membership dedicated to four different topics across the year. And so each quarter of the year, I teach a 12-week just session, a capsule on that topic. So in the first quarter of the year, it's all about metabolic health, which is one of my favorite topics to teach and help women rekindle their relationship with their body. Quarter two, which is in the spring, is all about energy and adrenal wellness and getting the adrenals and thyroid back online. And then quarter three is about hormone balance and helping women, especially women in perimenopause, really just take back their superpowers, their hormones, and understand them and not feel so so controlled by them and not so confused by them. And then in quarter four, as we just geeked out on, we go to the gut. We go to the cauldron of wellness and we look at what's brewing in there. And so while I do work with women one-on-one and it's one of my favorite things, I love welcoming women into the table because it's a community of women around the world who are on a journey together. And when women journey together, they see each other and they empower each other and they celebrate each other, just like we talked about those little tiny triumphs. The women in the table, every call we have each week, I have them all brag to one another. And in bragging to one another, they all celebrate each other. And it's just one of the most gratifying things to see women just bubble with life again and reclaim their wellness. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that is such a good idea to host something like that all year long and women really do need a safe space like that where they can kind of go on a health and wellness journey, but also have a professional support them and just have other women there as well who can celebrate them. I think that's such a cool, empowering idea. That's awesome way to go. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I will definitely link that in the show notes and on my website so people can find it and contact you if they're interested in joining. I guess, does it run like January to December every year? Yes, it is actually registration for the table opens up every quarter. So it doesn't really matter when you join. You have the option to do all four quarters because I love to, the architecture is built so that you can segue with everyone from quarter to quarter. But we don't, Yeah, I. it doesn't make one difference to me which quarter you join because I want you to join when you feel most ready to say yes to something new. And for some women, that's at the end of the year and they join when we're talking about gut health. And for some people, they ride the wave of January resolutions and come into metabolic health. But yeah, I'm so excited to see how many women registration right now is open for the energy quarter. And it's just so fun to see women who have paused and waited and really evaluated their level of motivation. And they're jumping in now because what they feel like they need now is energy. So I built it that way to sustain the curiosity people have and strike when the iron's hot for them. I love that. Again, I love this idea. Yeah, I will link that. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This was great. I loved learning from you. I just feel like you have so much to share. And I know everyone will really enjoy this episode. 
Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed digging into the deeper architecture of women's wellness. It's a beautiful place to be. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.